Welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click, the e-commerce podcast for brands looking for their next growth opportunities. If you're interested in improving your conversion rates, average order values, and customer lifetime value, head over to customerswhoclick.com where you can find all our previous episodes and get in touch if you'd like to learn more. We've got quite an underrated channel at the centre of today's topic, despite being one of the biggest search engines in the world. So as with a lot of channels, particularly ones involving video content, there are barriers to entry and this is possibly why a lot of brands don't give it a try. Christian Hopp joins me today to talk about YouTube. So we'll be exploring where YouTube fits into the mix, how creative YouTube needs to differ from other channels and some of the big mistakes Christian sees a lot. Hi, Christian. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just giving us a bit of an introduction to yourself, a bit of your background and how you got to where you are? Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. I've been working in digital marketing and e-commerce for the last 15 years. I recently built D2C for a brand called Waterdrop and helped them grow to 100 million revenue. And since then, been working, yeah, with a couple of D2C brands, seven, eight, and nine figure different stages. And also started Forward Agency with my co-founder, where we focus on YouTube ads for e-commerce. So for you then, what, like, how do you get customers clicking? Yeah, one very interesting thing about YouTube ads is that you have a long format where 95% of people consume it with audio on, which is very different than other formats that you have on meta ads. And what you can really do is you can back a lot of information into the video, a lot of what you usually only have on the landing page. And that means all you can also pre-qualify users already within the video. I always say like, you know, the conversion rate optimization doesn't only start on the landing page, but also already in the creative. So that's the one thing that is very specific about YouTube ads. Do you want to give us like a bit of a quick overview of YouTube ads? Because I think, I feel like it's a channel that doesn't get talked about so much. It's not, yeah. you know, everyone is on about Facebook all yeah. the time, PPC, TikTok, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I totally understand. I mean, Meta ads, Facebook ads is definitely the number one channel for D2C specifically. We've also been in a position where we scaled Meta ads a lot. And then basically because of, you know, VC funding and everything, we had to grow faster and faster. And at some point we were just like, okay, we need to expand to other channels because really maxing out meta ads. And so we're looking into other channels and YouTube ads was actually just came up because we tried every other channel, honestly. And at some point we were just like, okay, what is left and what other channel has the potential to scale? And we saw YouTube, I mean, YouTube is the second largest search engine. It has a lot of active users. It's very close to meta actually. And so we looked into YouTube ads and our story is also, we burned a lot of money in the beginning. We didn't make it work. And I hear that a lot from also e-commerce brands. So we worked with, you know, five Google specialists, video specialists and everyone. But in the end, we just got brand lift and no return. Um, and I hear that a lot from people. So I also understand when you say YouTube is not a common channel. But for us, it was, you know, like we wanted to get it done. We wanted to make it work. And so it took us about nine months and then we were able to basically spend 600000 a month on YouTube ads at 1.9 return ad spend average. So that was where we found, okay, there's something, it can actually work. And yeah, it's a bit of a background, how it actually happened that we went into the direction of YouTube ads. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I remember when I've tried YouTube ads, I've tried them once, I think, for one brand that I worked for. And it was, I think at the end of the day, we didn't really know what we were doing with it. And so we just saw really high CPAs and thought, it's not really working for us. I think, and we'll obviously get into this soon, but we didn't really tailor to YouTube, I think possibly something you might want might be talking about later, but I think essentially we used like a TV yeah, advert. Exactly. Yeah, that's where it's sort of creative. Yeah, that's very common. I see yeah. that you know, like so, brands do that, taking the TV commercial or 
just a UGC ad and try if it can convert on YouTube. But it's a very different yeah. format in in channel in general. Well, let's go straight to that then. Like, what makes YouTube? I guess what makes YouTube itself kind of different and special. Yeah. And then, like on that content side, would yeah. you know, what other formats yeah. you know, would you need to be aware? That's of? a good question. We touched a bit on that in the beginning. So. We work with long format, so that means like one and a half to three minutes. That's kind of the golden ratio. If you're too long, also can work, but YouTube will charge you a bit more, a bit higher CP- CPMs. So one and a half, three minutes is like the golden ratio that we found. And there's a lot of hype, you know, around YouTube shorts and stuff like this. But the thing is, YouTube still cannot make shorts work. And also for creators, if you see creators don't earn money, so it's kind of a negative cycle. Because if creators can't earn money on shorts, they will not make put as much effort into shorts and then there's less inventory and so on. So we really still work with long formats with just one and a half, three minutes and they're skippable. So that means that customers actively can skip and want to skip. You know, uh, you compete basically against the thumb. The, everyone has the thumb over the skip button and as soon as it comes up after five seconds, they click. So you have a, a short period of time to make customers to think, okay, I can help you solve your problem, but also tell them how you want to solve it. So it's really about pre-qualifying customers and making also those or viewers and make those viewers skip that are not your ideal customers. I always give this example. For example, if you say, do you struggle to sleep at night? I mean, in this kind of direction, then you can be selling, you know, a mattress, you can be selling, I don't know, a sleep tracking device, or you can be selling supplements to sleep better. And it's not enough, you know, if someone struggles to sleep at night, then if they're absolutely not open for supplements or have tried that and it didn't work, they might not be the, the right audience, right? But if they're really looking for yeah. a better mattress because they also have, I don't know, ache in their back, then, you know, that might be the right thing. So you really got to pre-qualify them. You have to speak like not only what is the problem, but also how you're going to solve it and why you are different and that in a very short period of time. But if you manage to do that, is, we really see high quality is with this, pre-qualifying them. Yeah, So, so is this a general sales marketing advice piece or is this a youtube specific like do you need do you need these unqualified people to skip so you basically want them to go this isn't the product for me i'm going to skip because when do you start getting charged yeah that's a good that's a very good question previously it was right that youtube would only charge you after 30 seconds when the view happened but that they changed that so that if you optimize for conversions basically you're being charged on cpm so it doesn't matter Actually, it's not that you're charged per cost per view. If you optimize for cost per view, I would say you're, you're not really optimizing towards conversions. So YouTube changed a lot of the very good things, you know, giving basically advertisers control and they took taking more and more control away from advertisers. But it is true. It is true. I mean, it's a general advice that also is true for other formats, but YouTube is specific because it's long format video and because you have the skip button, right? So yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting way of putting it. I was actually on a webinar not too long ago, and one of the other guys on the panels, we were talking about returns. And I made the point that, you know, you can produce returns by uh, making sure people are fully sold on the product, right? They've got all the information they need. So the reason they're buying the products is because they're confident it is actually the right product. And he kind of flipped it and said, well, actually what we want to be doing then is reducing conversion rate which is a really weird thing for two CRO people to be talking about and agree on. But yeah, essentially his point was you want to disqualify people, right? It just kind of flipped what I was saying, obviously, but it was you want all these people who 
it's not a good fit for to not make that purchase. Right? The worst thing you can happen really with D2C like physical products is people aren't quantified. They make that purchase and then they return it. And then you've probably covered free shipping, free returns, just the Nutrition. Potential yeah. costs in your recycling yeah, and exactly. everything. So we got go one step further yeah, and exactly. and, and we already don't let them come to the website. So basically that uh, the chance of, of them yeah. is even lower. Yeah. But even getting yeah. that skip, right? Yeah. You know, we're not qualified people within those first five yeah. seconds. So that all the people that are unqualified just hit the skip button and what what you said was right, it's, it's a bit yeah. counterintuitive for many, but it's exactly you know and yeah, so it, it's important what we've seen reverses that when you qualify people or pre-qualify people before the click, we really see that on the traffic, on the landing page, we see higher conversion rates, we see higher pages per session, average session duration, 50, 100% times higher. And that's not one time. We constantly see that also when brands already run YouTube ads and then we basically comment, put in the right structure into the creative. We can really see that. So that's something very interesting. You can see that very quickly. What else do you need to consider with the creative itself? There is, I mean... Yeah. There's once on the one side, there's the structure, right? How you structure it. So you have to be in, in the beginning, as mentioned, you need to be qualified, but then you can do a lot of objection handling and everything that you would usually back into the landing page, right? You, I mean, you can also say a lot about that, how you can actually prepare customers and make them ready to purchase. And the good thing about this one and a half to three minutes is that you have a lot of yeah room and space. And also you have audio and video together where you can speak a lot and explain a lot of things. So that's why we also see those customers that come to the landing page, they actually ready to purchase. And it's very convenient because usually on the ad, you know, you think, okay, I'm interested. I would like to learn more, but you know, if I click something else will open and the page will load and, you know, until then, is it really worth to interrupt my journey or am I more convenient to just keep, you know, my journey here on the social media platform, in this case, YouTube. And it's very convenient to just keep watching uh, and you don't have to click. And once you're really ready, okay, now. You got me, then I click and then, you know, I'm ready to buy. Yeah, I suppose you're getting people to the point where they think they, they understand the product a bit. They understand that it's possibly for them. And so they're happy to click through because they, you know, they, you've convinced them this is something worth buying. It's not just a, an attention grabbing advert. So what we do is like what we've seen work really well, for example, is stacking pain points, right? So it's not only one hook, one pain point, but it's really stacking hook and pain points in the hook. And it's the same also with call to actions, right? So you create really sense of urgency by doing that. And yeah, so you can do these things very well in, in one and a half, three minutes. Also, we're talking like, like D2C brands here, really. But do you find any particular types of creative work? Because obviously, I guess one of the reasons a lot of brands don't do YouTube ads is, is the cost, right? The cost of putting together that sort of creative. And I suppose, the, you know, like I mentioned at the start, we use basically TV adverts, which cost us quite a bit to put together. So, yeah, is there, is it expensive? Is there other particular formats that you find work? So the interesting part here is also that cheaper works better, usually from our experience. So we've done shootings for $50,000 productions and the, the same script basically worked better when we did them for two and a half K. And the best, some of the best videos that we have is actually AI voice with, you know, stock footage or existing footage, uh, voiceover from, you know, something. So I'm not saying that UGC doesn't work, but it's it doesn't work that you just take something that you run on another platform because, you know, the whole platform works differently, but you can repurpose a lot of the existing footage. So we often start very quickly with taking existing UGC footage, just restructuring it, writing a YouTube specific script 
using AI voiceover or a voiceover creator, and you can get something for a few hundred dollars, basically, that, that works really well. I guess one thing, one thing you should kind of touched on, but I wanted to just, I guess, ask specifically, like, where does YouTube fit into the marketing mix? Like, do you, does it cover kind of every sort of area of the funnel or is it, do you see it as quite a direct, direct sales, direct yeah. marketing piece? We do see it as a direct sales and marketing piece, but of course, you know, I also see that actually brands, not only YouTube specific, but in general, the funnel still exists, right? There are people that are problem aware and then there are people that know exactly what product they want. And there are a lot of people that are not product problem aware yet. So I see also brands growing very fast, especially when you already, you know, had the low hanging fruits covered and going, you need to go up a funnel at some point. But I think that's not really YouTube specific. So YouTube for us really means like we also measure the direct impact. We do that with, you know, the tracking that's provided by Google ads. But we also ask customers, how did you hear about us on the order thank you page? So we can also see unbiased tracking option where basically self-reported attribution. New customers say, okay, I heard about you as a brand from YouTube ad. And the time, when is the right time to, to start YouTube ads? I think, of course, not too early because if you're doing like one, three million a year revenue, then, you know, focus on one channel. You also don't want to split your resources but at some point also at latest when you do 10 million a year, you're actually really losing out if you don't do YouTube ads because, you know, the YouTube is connected to Google. Competitors can take everyone that is interested in your brand, even if they just search for your brand on Google, they can be retargeted by competitors with YouTube ads. And so it's really missing out if you don't at least cover and protect your brand and also go for it. So that's kind of my take here. Yeah, so not necessarily an early stage channel to begin yeah. with. You might as well go P- PPC, yeah. Facebook, exactly. a, but definitely opportunity there to, yeah. you know, once, once you're ready yeah. to scale it to new channels. Yeah. So we've seen, usually what's very common is like, we don't want to say like we can be better than Meta, but what is usually a good mix is when you see 40, 50% of new customers come from Meta ads, then it's like 20 to 30% from YouTube ads. So it's, it can be that high. That we've, what we've seen, like 40%, 20% is usually some ratio that we've seen across clients. Yeah, that's quite yeah. good. A good chunk of traffic, yeah. really, customers. Awesome. So have you got, I mean, we can't talk about video and stuff, but like, what would you, your top tips be? For YouTube ads? Well, the creative really does matter. What is maybe a, a few facts or a few things that are not so commonly known is that ad fatigue is much lower than on, on Meta or on TikTok specifically. So we've spent over a million dollars on one single ad creative and it was still a best performing ad. So you can really see that there, there's, on the one hand, there's a lot of inventory and a lot of people you can reach. Um, but it's also something where you don't have to worry, maybe also adding to your previous comment uh, about the costs. Once you produce a video, you can really scale that video for a very long time. So the other thing is if you do it really right, so how we do it with the creative structure is we have to the core, the body of the video is pretty much the same. And then we experiment, of course, with hooks similar to other platforms. So you can also get a lot of videos done, a lot of different variations done with, you know, one good script, and then you experiment with the hooks. So also here you can do it a lot of testing. What is a bit different is that from our experience to keep it stable, we've had in the beginning, we, we made YouTube work, but it was not stable. So it was performing really well next week, completely crashed. So it is a bit more tricky still than meta ads. You can scale it from one day from zero to 100k spent, but it's consistent. And once it, it consistently scales, then it's also very stable from our experience. So these are a few facts that might be interesting. What else? Yeah, I think this, these are a few things. And 
one thing also because I'm, you know, I come from D2C is that we always say like we don't want to just acquire cheap customers or customers at good return on ad spend or cheap customization costs. We also want to see that those customers that we acquire are of high value, so higher customer lifetime value. Yeah. And so also see like what message actually in the beginning will also create higher lifetime value in the end. I very much believe in that. So that's not just only, you know, we as an agency or specifically for YouTube ads focus on Kakoroas and that's it but really see, does it have an impact on a business on the long run? Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah. important. Any Absolutely. really, isn't yeah. it? There's, it's pretty meaningless getting all these conversions if they return products or yeah, exactly. so that they make that one new customer offer purchase and yeah. never come back. You know, it's just, it, it costs you money and then it normally you get inefficiencies down the line as well. So you might be spending money on, then that those contacts being in your email list on your SMS list, various other things, and actually they're not good yeah. customers. So yeah, we once did it with the market opening actually, and we had like five hundred thousand leads, and then two out of them purchased. So that was a very expensive yeah. experiment to go with a free plus shipping funnel on a marketing well, opening. I mean, we made this mistake at one of the one of the brands I used to work at when I was earlier in my career. We found. Well, seemed to be an incredible audience yeah. on Facebook. So this was a, a magazine app, like unlimited content magazine app. So kind of like Netflix for magazines. We acquired customers who were reading like gossip mm. magazines, right? So these are, I think they normally, they're like a pound each and they come out once a week, I think. And we, we, the acquisition cost was so cheap. I think it was maybe two, three pounds yeah. per customer. For people who are then going to pe- spend nine ninety nine a month on a subscription, this was great. You know, when considering revenue splits and all that, it was not going to take long to to make a return. You know, to cover a cost of acquisition. Unfortunately, we then found out that these are not the sort of customers who are going to spend nine ninety nine on a monthly subscription if they're spending four pounds a month on their gossip magazines. So it was once we kind of looked into it a bit and we saw that yeah barely any of these people actually converted into paying subscribers yeah. exactly. that's when we took a look at it and went okay no this campaign's rubbish we've got to get yeah, it yeah and so that's a very good example huh? i see a lot of brands compare their customer lifetime value across channels or acquisition channels or so but what i more often see is that actually the customer lifetime value depends more on the messaging so for example if you know you're into i don't know you care about your nutrition, then you're more going to use a product that helps you live healthier than someone who is not and first needs to, you know, adjust, who's just going to try live more healthy. So, you know, this is a good example. Yeah, because with any product, right, you can either sell it properly and get a pro- proper customer, or you can put a 40% discount in front of someone and they'll say, yeah, go on, I'll give it a go. Right, and if they've got no interest in that category, really, then you lose them. But that that applies to any channel, right? Any way you do it. So yeah, I think you're right. It generally comes down to messaging and stuff. One thing I wanted to ask before I forget, you mentioned, so you create YouTube-specific content creative because you can't just take TV ads or or content from Meta. Have you tried doing it the other way though? So have you tried taking the YouTube-specific stuff and seeing if that does perform? Usually not because, I mean, it can perform, but there are still differences because also the content on YouTube profits from 95% of viewers have audio on, for example, while Meta, I think, is 80% yeah. sound off, the latest stats that I've seen. 
So there's still differences. So I suppose you, I guess you'd have to add subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Which you, you might not need that on YouTube. We do. So you'd have to at least We do, but it still makes a difference. Also, you know, because the subtitles is harder to read. Like people either focus on the person, if you have a very strong character, or they focus on the subtitles. And so you, you can have very short messages there, but still you're missing out, you know, when the actor can or the, yeah, the person in the video can say much more. And also because it's still still long format. So three minutes is very long format. Because I suppose, yeah, b the big difference really is they're scrolling through, especially if they're on the phone, right? Scrolling through, it's very easy to scroll past that advert. Whereas on YouTube, the advert's popped up because you clicked on a video you want to watch. So you kind of, you have to sit there and at least wait for the five seconds. It is, yeah. And also the algorithm works differently. So while Meta, for example, if you have a specific audience, most people target broad and then Meta will not deliver your ad to the whole audience, but they will figure out, okay, how many touch points you likely have. And you very much see Meta disabled this feature, but before you could see the first time impression ratio. And this is, you know, Basically, once you reach 10% of your audience, your potential audience, you just Meta just shows the same ad to the same people. So the algorithm works there very differently on, on YouTube, where the frequency is much lower. And so that's also where the ad fatigue is lower. So it's, it's also that these platforms in the back end work differently, although it might seem very similar on the outside. Yeah. So when you mention ad fatigue, you're talking about just like the amount of time you can run it. Yeah, exactly. It, it's longer not necessarily the frequency of people saying yeah exactly exactly so you as mentioned we spent like one and one million dollar on one single ad and it was still best performing which is well you can also do that on meta at some point but on youtube it's really like once you you have a winning ad creative you can run that for a really long time on tiktok you have to exchange it much faster cool so what about mistakes well i suppose what i guess what questions start this off with is out of the brands you work with, are many doing YouTube and it's not working so they come to you or do they want to start YouTube and that's why? Good question. A lot want to try and I always try to figure out if it really makes sense for them, if they're at the right stage, if they rather should focus on one channel or if it really makes sense where they are. A lot of them have tried and it didn't work. That's what I hear so often. And then, you know, just ask a few questions like what creatives did you use and so on and I immediately find out why it didn't work. But yeah, I would say probably 50-50. So 50% already have tried YouTube ads. I guess just someone, as I said, you know, said, hey, we have a TV commercial, let's just run it on YouTube. And yeah, a few have not tried it. Yeah, so so what are the mistakes, the ones who have tried it? Yeah. Apart from creative, you know, not making something specific. Are there any other mistakes, whether it's creative or maybe like the, the technical setup. The technical setup is very specific. Yeah, you're right. It took us nine months, right, from basically trying it and not making it work with the guidance of best practice, Google Ads, representatives and everyone. And the media buying is very specific. So we've been doing this now for three years, basically. And a lot of Google Ads agencies, they're doing really great job, right, at what they're doing, but they don't have that experience in YouTube ads. And that's also why we see, you know, not to blame them, but it also took us a really long time to really figure out how it works, how to make it work. And I think, you know, that's also a tricky situation that it's very different with, it's the same ads manager, Google ads, but it's very different if you run search ads, shopping ads, and if you run basically push advertising like YouTube ads, right? Actually, it should be closer to a paid social agency, but that's, you know, also a different mindset. So I very often see that the media buying, right? Like the technical, how you set up campaigns, 
uh, technically works, but they don't have the experience how to structure it for YouTube to make it work, how to really optimize the campaigns later on. So it's a mixture between, and they're also not so much into the creative side. So that is a bit tricky. And that's also why we've seen that the Google ads teams or agencies or freelancers that, that brands work with, they don't have the experience with YouTube ads. Anything else you want to add about that YouTube? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting time now because a lot of people are, a lot of different channels are competing. You know, TikTok tries long for, long formats. YouTube goes more into the short direction. So it's a very interesting time. We've seen that dependency on one channel like Meta Ads can be very, yeah, not beneficial, especially when iOS hit. A lot of brands started to look around. So I think YouTube Ads is still a very underrated channel. Not many brands look at it. And so they always go like Meta TikTok because it's closer. And there's a lot of potential to, to really scale, especially if you're at a certain size. Yeah. Just one, one final question on this from me. In terms of like the types of products, yeah, either categories or, like, yeah, the categories or maybe AOV or anything like that, are there any, do you see any particular differences or is it this can work for anyone as long as you just get that creative? Right? I would not say so. So it, it would not work for anyone to be fair. So YouTube works best. Actually, it works best and comes from any high ticket sales. I'm sure you've seen all these ads where these 23-year-olds are say, hey, this is my Ferrari and I'm here in, I don't know, Thailand and I'm going to show you how you can earn 100k a day in a week. And these ads still, you know, work because the, they are selling high tickets courses and services. And there's just so much margin that, yeah, no matter, you know, how well it performs, it just makes sense. So it also works good for a higher ticket e-commerce, I would say, higher priced e-commerce, especially if you have explanation or the need for explanation, explaining product. And it works less good for, less well for, let's say, commoditized goods that don't really solve a problem. Like jewelry, for example, if it's just about, you know, desire or design, it's very, very hard to really make someone decide to now purchase something. So that that is just a very long conversion cycle. So yeah, when you solve a problem, it's in general also across all acquisition channels, it's easier to sell these products. But on YouTube, I would also say it's even harder to do that if it's very commoditized, like, I don't know, socks or I don't know, something. Yeah, I think it makes sense, right? It's There's not as much you can do to make this product sound like it's going to change someone's exactly. life exactly. And, and be incredible for them. You're basically showing off, I'm, well, I've worked with jewelry yeah. and I've worked with shoes, I like just a shoe retailer. And yeah, there's, when you're talking about, you know, obviously there are some special shoes out there that are designed to help you with certain conditions or, you know, they're designed to be super supportive yeah, for exactly. running or something exactly. like that. But when you're just talking about your general yeah. just footwear retailer, yeah. you can't actually optimize for the, well, it, yeah, for what we do, you can't optimize for the products because there's yeah. too many of them and none of them are driving a significant enough amount of revenue to warrant the attention. Therefore, it becomes, how do you sell that yeah. brand? And I suppose on a YouTube ad, yeah. you, know, you might be able to come up with something about an like a an attention-grabbing video about why you're the best shoe retailer. Yeah, you can play with humor and, and, and try different versions of that. But if I could choose between like supplement or fashion, I mean, supplement is super easy. Fashion is very hard to make work in general. Yeah, awesome. So just before we finish up, are there any tools that you'd recommend to people, like marketing tools that could help them maybe create the content or, you know, you mentioned AI voiceover. Yeah. So any cool tools that you really like? That you've AI voiceover, there are several tools like 11 Labs, for example, is one of them that we use. 
in general, also like marketing attribution. I'm a big fan of post purchase service. So just really, if you haven't implemented a self-reported attribution, I would highly recommend to do that. It can really change your business, not to just depend on, you know, what is trackable, but really what also customers say. So these are things I would definitely recommend to do. Yeah, I always kind of question that one. It depends what question you're asking, right? If it's, where did you come from today? That's an easy one. If it's, where did you first hear about us? I mean, if I first came across the brand a year ago, I wouldn't know. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, sometimes I find it it's interesting. I've, I've been using the self-reported attribution for probably four years now, and we've been tracking TV for one and a half years, for example. And we also had this tracking where you measure the delta. So, so whenever someone comes on your website to your website after the TV aired, the TV commercial aired, and it's like measured, I think, in a few seconds, within a few seconds, and then they measure the delta before after. And I think over one and a half years, we had 5% difference between those two tracking tools. And then, for example, when we entered a new market and we only started with one channel, we've seen like 85% new customers said they come from this channel. And as soon as we changed that, it changed as well. Or when we, for example, had influencer campaigns out there or not, you immediately see the follow-up question of, for example, from Instagram, from where on Instagram a person I follow or an ad on Instagram, you see the ratio change. So I've been very critical of this, but I've seen it just work so well, even over longer, longer conversion cycles, that it's very interesting. Also interesting is to ask, when was the first time you heard about us? So that's also interesting to see how long the conversion cycle actually is. I think it's a really important thing for a lot of brands who maybe don't appreciate that sometimes it's six months or longer, even even for some pretty basic stuff. I bought some t-shirts from a brand to... Yeah, I think they. I first saw their adverts probably six to nine months before I purchased. I just didn't need them at time. Obviously, I got influenced by the fact that they have an awesome website. Their marketing is really good. And so that stuck with me. So I actually looked at their website a few times just from a, a CRO point of view. Exactly. And then eventually I went exactly. back and purchased. Or many wait until Black Friday and um, until they know there is some offer or it's just the time to buy. Finally, if you got one final piece of advice for brands. Well, I guess it's a very tough time now for e-commerce, to be honest, although there are also brands that I see crazily. So I think it's always depends, you know, even in the declining market, you can really make it work well. And I think those brands that make it work now in, in very tough environments will come out very strong in, in the next wave. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. What's the best way of getting in touch with you? Yes, through LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn and otherwise on our website forward.agency. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Will. Probably the most important takeaway here for me is the content needs to be specific to YouTube. It needs to follow particular formats. It's got to both grab you know people's attention and disqualify people within those first few seconds. If someone isn't in your audience, you want them to hit that skip button. But if someone's in your audience, they absolutely need to be hooked within those first five seconds. If you can get that right, you can go on to explain a huge amount about your product, get them to click through and hopefully make a purchase get it wrong and just like many other channels you're just burning cash if you'd like to hear more from christian you can find him on linkedin any other podcast questions feedback or guest requests please send them over to will at customers who click.com or dm me on linkedin next up i've got marianne pruitt joining me we're going to be talking about programmatic media buying but until then keep those customers clicking mm-hmm.